Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. For all of you who are in person on our campuses today and for all of you that are watching online, yay God for you. We're so grateful that you're here. I have to tell you, something's going on in our church for the last 10 months of COVID. We don't know exactly the depth of it, but we have an idea of it simply because so many of you fill out those cards every Sunday and we've been monitoring that and what it represents for now all these 10 months. Something is going on in our church. We don't know how much, but somewhere between 500 to 1,000 in average attendance growth has happened in our church during COVID of all things. For the 10 months of COVID, Somewhere between 500 to 1,000 people because of online, it is just amazing. Now, anecdotally, we are seeing from different, hearing from different people about families, didn't know who we were 10 months ago, had never really tuned in or not, hadn't tuned in much. Every single Sunday are being a part of this service, and I believe it's the favor of God. I believe it's the blessing of God upon this church, and I am so grateful. A few years ago, a, a trove of seeds were discovered by archaeologists and those seeds had been packed so well and buried so well that after all these years, they are still in existence. And when they did, ran the test on the seeds, they discovered that these seeds that they had found were 4,000 years old. It is amazing. Now, to get a context of the 4,000-year-old seeds, 4,000 years ago, Abraham walked on the face of the earth. So these seeds would have been contemporary with Abraham. And they found these seeds. And they wondered, are these seeds still good? Or can they still germinate? And so they took a few of these seeds and they planted them. And those seeds sprouted up just as fast as brand new seeds. After all these years. This morning, I want to talk to you about how to plant seeds of love and kindness to others that will sprout in their lives. And there are some people that you will give expressions of, plant seeds of love and kindness in their heart, and they will not change. They will not do anything with it. And you'll think nothing good came from that. Here I did express love and kindness toward another person, but nothing good came from that. But the truth is, those seeds will not die. And a moment in time will come in the heart of that person, that child of yours, that, that, that uh, member of your family, that person that does not know Christ, that in which Jesus, which God will change the softness of the soil of their heart and those seeds will sprout. You give those seeds away. You, you, you plant those seeds in the heart of other people and you watch what God will do with it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a, or a clanging cymbal. What he is saying is, it, no matter how talented you are, you may be ama amazingly talented. You may speak like an angel. You may have talents that are amazing. But if you and I do not demonstrate love in our life, we're just making noise. 
That's what he's saying in the verse. And verse 2, and if I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but I don't have love, I am nothing. No matter how much you know the Bible, you may have memorized the whole Bible. No matter how many things uh, religiously you do, even if you have the faith to move mountains, but in your heart you do not demonstrate love and plant seeds of loving kindness in the lives of other people. He says, what difference? does it make for you? What difference have you made in the world? We are in an information boom these days like no other time in human history. I mean, literally, we're doubling and tripling almost seemingly our knowledge every day. It is shocking. No one can grab hold of all this that is being uncovered, being learned of the information. But my question to you is, has it solved Mankind's problems? Has it, has it made the world better? Ha, has it made our lives more meaningful? To a degree, that is what information does. That's what knowledge does. We need to get as much as we can. But the truth is, it doesn't have the power to change the heart of mankind, to change the world. But Jesus was asked, what is, what is the greatest pursuit that a person could pursue in their life? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying the most powerful force in the universe is love. And if you're going to live your life in a meaningful, powerful way, let it be love. Let it be the pursuit of love in your life. It will make a world of difference. So this morning, I want to talk to you about how it is that we can learn how to love people better, because that's what the passage is about. We're looking at in Philippians chapter one, beginning in verses three to 11. And I think the first question we've got to ask is what is love? How do, how do I even know I'm demonstrating love to another person? What is love? You ask that question to most people, and most people will say that love is primarily a feeling. I've heard this, this statement before. I'm sure you have too. It is a quiver in my liver. It is an ocean of emotion. Well, well it, it can be uh, when we have uh, 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 an attraction to another person, but it, it doesn't stay there. Now, there are times in which even married people, 20 years and 50 years, they have a, they have a quiver in their liver. And they, they have an excitement that happens in their life. But most of life is actually lived differently than that of a husband and a wife and friends with each other. No, love is not that. I've also heard that love is uncontrollable. And here are the words I've heard. My head is spinning. I must be in love. I feel weakness in my knees. I must be in love. No, stop for a moment and listen to what, you just, what I just said. My head is spinning. My knees are weak. Now, that sounds more like eating stinky okra to me. It doesn't sound like love at all. We've got to eat less of that stuff. No, the Bible talks about what love is, and it doesn't talk in any of those terms. It says, first of all, the Bible says that love is a choice, not a feeling. Listen to what he says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all. 
Think about all the virtues. Think about the virtue of honesty and courage and generosity and patience and all the virtues. And what Paul is saying is that all these virtues are held together, are given birth to and held together by love. And notice what he says in the verse, put on love. Now, if love is a feeling, God could not command us to love. If love is uncontrollable, God could not command us to love. But love is a choice, and he is commanding us to love because it is a decision that we make. Love is choosing to be kind when we don't feel like it. What I want to do is exactly the opposite, but I choose love instead of my feelings. Love is giving yourself away when you don't feel like it. But I choose to deny what I feel, and I make the decision to love. Love is a choice. Second of all, love is action. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and and verse 18. Let us not love with just words. Now stop for a moment. The word just is put in parentheses because it doesn't say the word just in the verse. I just believe, that's my word, I just believe that is exactly what he's saying. He's not saying never say I love you. He is saying don't just say I love you. Love's got to be more than words or tongue. It's got to be actions and truth. Love has to be actions that we take. And love has to line up with the truth of God or it's not love. You got to love someone as God lays out in his word to do. It's truth. Third of all, love is a guide. Look at Colossians 4.13. Most of all, let love guide your life. What am I to do? How am I to respond to this moment? What am I to say? What am I to do? Well, love treats other people like we want to be treated. Love is patient and kind and all the definition that Paul gives us of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love actually guides how it is that we respond to issues and situations that we face. Love is a choice. It is an action and it is a guide. So with these three things in mind... Paul then says to us, there's some things that I want you to do that demonstrates love in the lives of other people. He gives to us four principles which allows us to better enjoy the people of our lives and express that love to them. So what are those in this passage? First of all, principle number one, remember the best and forget the rest. So where do I get that idea? It's verse three. Listen to what he says. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. If you'll think back to the story of Philippi that we talked about last week. Probably in the city of Philippi, Paul was more mistreated, more abused than in any of the other cities. You remember that Paul went into Philippi, had been called and led by God to go there. But only a handful of people at first came to know Christ as Savior. They didn't come by the droves to know Jesus and give their heart to Christ. But Paul loved them and he led them to Christ and he began to disciple them. But one day a young woman began to follow them and she was demon possessed. And Paul turned around and he cast that demon out of that young woman. And when he did, she was now well. She was healthy and in her right mind. And you would think everybody 
everybody be glad for what he did, for what happened, but no, they weren't because they were making money off of that demon-possessed woman. They were infuriated. And they had Paul and Silas beaten to the edge of their life and thrown into prison and chained and put in stocks. They abused them physically and emotionally and mentally in every way. They abused them and threw them into prison. And then the miracle came, the earthquake, and, and God loosened the chains, and let, that broke the chains, and he opened the doors. And you remember that the jailer came in, sirs, what do I need to be saved? And that jailer accepted Jesus, and all of his household gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. But that's not the end of the story. Do you remember what happens next? All of the officials of that city gather together with Paul and Silas at the edge of town and say, you get out of our town and don't you ever come back here again. They kick them out of their town. Don't you ever come back here again. And now Paul is thinking about this city and these people. It may very well be because all of a sudden what happened is that that church in Philippi just exploded in growth and so many people came to faith in Christ. And some of those that came to faith may have been some of these officials or others that had abused Paul. But when Paul thought of them, in every remembrance of you, I thank my God. I thank my God for you. It is obvious that something happened in Paul in which he was willing to forgive and forget. He remembered the best and forgot the rest. Two women were walking into the mall pre-COVID and, and uh, at the very same time they were walking into the mall, there was a man walking out of the mall and so they intersected and, and when they did, the woman said, one of, one of the women said to the man, oh, it's so good to see you. I hope you're doing well. Is everything okay? And he said, yeah, I'm fine. And, and uh, he said, I'm glad to see you too. And he walked right out. Now, when the two women were continuing on, the second woman said to the first woman, I don't understand what just happened. Wasn't that the man that, uh, that was so rude to you and so mean to you just a few weeks ago? Isn't that the same guy? How in the world could you be so cordial to him? How are you doing? Hope everything is fine. How could you say that? And the first woman said to the second woman, you know what? I clearly remember forgetting that. And I remember the first time that I heard that illustration. I heard that story. It had a profound impact. You know, certain things we hear that may not seem that much to somebody else, sometimes those moments are just for us. And I, I gotta tell you, when I had heard that, or read, read that, that illustration and I thought to myself, I sat down in my office and I thought to myself, is that me? When somebody is mean, when some bad thing happens, is that what I do? Or do I hold grudges and resentment? And I have to tell you, I came face to face with a meeting with God and I realized I'm going to have to change some things about my attitude. I want to be the guy, just like Paul, who remembers the best and forgets the rest. In our marriages, 
in our relationships with our spouse and our relationship with our, our parents and our, and our siblings, our children and other people we work with and people we go to school with, in our relationships, how we learn how to be a person that loves deeper and better is to come to be that person that remembers the best and forgets the rest. And Paul is illustrating in verse three that very kind of nature. Third, second principle is this, habitually pray good things for others. Notice how he puts it in verse four, always offering prayer with joy in, all, in my every prayer for you all. Look at all the words he used just to say that. And what that phrase means to, to offer prayer with joy is talking about good prayers. Not just praying, he's talking about good prayers for them every time I pray for you. Y'all remember the story of, of uh, Jesus and the disciples and they're leaving Galilee and they're going to, to Jerusalem. And in order to go from Galilee to Judea, uh, the fastest way is to go through Samaria. But you remember that the Samaritans didn't like the Jews and the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. In fact, they, it wasn't that they didn't like each other, they hated each other. Jesus didn't hate them, but his disciples did. And they were walking through Samaria, and you remember as they were walking through Samaria, some of the townspeople of a particular town in Samaria that they were walking by came out to the outskirts of the town and said to them, do not be stopping here. You keep on moving. We don't want you here. Don't you stop for water. Don't you start, stop for food. You just keep right on making your way forward. And they did. Jesus and the disciples did. And you remember that James and John, what they said to Jesus, Jesus, would you like us to pray fire to come down from heaven and burn these people up? You remember Jesus said to them something like, what are you talking about? Why are you being so idiotic? He didn't say those words, but it is basically what he was saying to them. What is wrong with you? I'm not going to ask you if you have ever wanted to pray, God, would you bring fire down from heaven and burn so-and-so up? I'm not even going to ask you to do that. I'm not even going to ask me to do that. Because sometimes what happens to us is we become so angry with another person, so frustrated with other individuals. Oh, I'll pray for them all right. You bet I will. But what Paul, looking at these individuals, and some of them maybe were a part of what had hurt them, he said, every time I pray for you, I just pray with the joy of God in every prayer for you. He is saying to us, you and I need to be praying for each other. First of all, we are to pray for others. Oh, those great prayers, those good prayers for others. Why is that? I've had people that have asked me, I don't even understand this whole thing about prayer. It doesn't make any sense to me. Does God not know what this person needs? And if God already knows what that person needs, he already knows what I need, why do I even need to pray? Well, look at what he says in Matthew chapter 6 and, and, and verses uh, 6 to 8. But when you pray, 
Go into your room, close the door, pray for, to your father who is unseen, and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. But don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So you're right. Yeah, God already knows. We're not giving God any new information about what we need and what other people need. But at the very same time, he tells us that he tells us pray. One of the things we're to pray for is we are to pray for others because prayer changes others. It changes them. I don't know exactly how, but I do know it does. And so Jesus talks about us praying for one another. Paul talks about us praying for one another. Even though God already knows their needs, there is something that happens in their life because we pray. You have not because you ask not. And in that prayer, we have to, even though we know God already knows it, we have to humble ourselves. We have to acknowledge, God, I can't make the difference that needs to be made in this situation. I have to humble myself. I have to pray. It is a, a selflessness that begins to happen inside of us as we are praying for another person. And the Bible says that prayer will change other people. We're to pray for them. We need to be praying for our spouse, not just being upset with our spouse. We need to be praying for our spouse every day. We need to be praying for our children every day, not just upset with them or them with us, not just upset with somebody else. We need to be praying for others in our life. Prayers of God's blessing, prayers of God meeting their need, prayers of God showing love to them. We need to be praying for them. One of the conversations we've had as a church this week is praying for people that are governing us, no matter what political party they are. One of the great things we get the opportunity to do in America is we get to vote. Voting is so special, it is so wonderful, I would never not vote. Kathy would never not vote, it's too important to us. It's part of being a citizen of this country. But I got to tell you, even if we vote, not always does it come out our way. But here's what I want to remind us of. We have millions and millions and millions and millions of Christ followers in America. We have hundreds of millions of Christ followers in America. And what changes the hearts of other people are the prayers of God's people. That's why the Bible says that that the, the heart of the king is held in God's hand and he turns it whithersoever he will. And we need to petition God by the hundreds of millions in this country. Petition the throne of grace. It is the greatest power we have is prayer. To pray for others. To pray for others in our life. People that don't like us. People that hate us. To pray for them. Prayer changes them. Second of all, prayer will change us. It will change you. Think of prayer in this way. Prayer is an investment. Just like money is an investment, prayer is an investment in the lives of other people. And you remember Jesus made the statement. He says, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When we begin to pray for other people, our heart is changed. Our life 
is changed. It is altered. Listen to what Job chapter 42 verse 10 says. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. Now, I don't want you to read the verse and think I am saying that if you'll pray for people, God will make you wealthy. That is not the point I'm trying to make here. That isn't the case. What is happening is that Job's friends weren't much friends. They weren't very good friends. He was wounded by them and hurt by them. But Job prayed positive God-blessing prayers on his friends. And when God saw that, God knew he had done the work he wanted to do in Job's heart. It was finished. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. God blessed Job. As he heard Job give up his resentment and his wound, and he, prayed, he heard Job praying for his friends, God blessed Job back. And I will tell you this, as we are praying for others, as we are praying for others, not only does it change them, it changes us. God uses it to bless up us. Principle number three is this, recognize that God is at work in your friend's life, so be patient. Philippians 1, 6. I'm falling in love with this verse. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue it all the way to the day of Christ Jesus. Tony just saying about that. We, we just read it. What does it mean? It means that what God starts, God finishes. God will complete his work in you. There's another verse of scripture that really puts it even clearer. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he did also predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. There are so many things that he is saying in this verse. But what I want you to catch in the verse is this. That word predestined. The word predestined means to predetermine in such a way that it cannot be altered. And those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, who've committed their heart by faith to Christ, God has predestined in a way that cannot be altered that one day you will be, I will be just like Jesus Christ. That you and I will have the character of Jesus that we will have the morality of Jesus, that we will have the heart of Jesus. One day, you will be just like Jesus. Why is this so important? Paul is reminding us of this fact because Paul is saying, be patient with yourself. You're not a finished work. God isn't done with me yet. He is still at work in my life. I have not arrived yet. I've got to be patient with myself as God is at work in my heart. But not just patient with myself. I've got to be patient with others in my life. God's not finished with them either. And just as I'm trying to be patient with myself as God works in my life, I need to be patient with others. Do unto others as you would want others to do to you. Have a sense and a heart of patience toward the other people in your life. 
No, they're not doing all the things you wanted to. You've said it to them how many times and they're still having the same failures. But the truth is you're still failing in areas of your life too. Just as you want to be patient. Oh God, I'm asking, would would you keep being at work in my heart? I know I haven't arrived yet, but oh God, stay with me and keep working in my heart. And God says, I'm going to. I predetermined in such a way that one day you will be, that will not be altered. One day you'll be just like Christ. Well, the same is true about your spouse. The same is true about your kids and your parents and others that you know that know Christ. Be patient. Be patient with them. It will change your relationship. There's a fourth principle that he gives us in the passage, and it's simply this. Openly express your appreciation to others in your life. So listen to what Paul does in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Now verse 7. And it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is that one of the aspects of building, building a deeper relationship with anyone in your life is to express appreciation and love. Well, I told that person 30 years ago I love them, and I'm sure that they still know that. No, that's not good enough. To express love on a continual basis and appreciation for those in our life. Alex Haley is probably not a a name you recognize, or many people probably, but he is the author of the book Roots which gave rise to that television series decades ago called Roots. Most television series are about entertainment. That was about information. And and Kathy and I watched every episode of Roots. Alex Haley wrote the book. He, as a young man, served in the Navy. And he was out on a ship, on a tour of duty, out in the ship in the Navy across the Thanksgiving holiday one year and he had finished all of his job and now it was off time and he was laying in his bunk and and as he was thinking about Thanksgiving giving thanks to God but also giving thanks to other people for the impact and and the appreciation that they have for the the impact those people had made in their life he wrote down he grabbed a pen and a paper and he wrote down eight names Eight names of people in his life that had made a powerful impact and change in his life. And then it dawned on him, four of these people are already dead. Four people that made, of the eight people that made an impact in my life are already dead. And not one time did I tell them. And that's what happened to him as he's laying there. He came to realize not one time did I say to Four of these people, look at the difference, the impact you made in life. Look at the change that you gave to me in a positive way in my life. I never one time said thank you to them. It broke his heart, but he recognized that four were still alive and he sat down and wrote the longest letter and and expressed his generosity of kindness to them as they had given that to him and how much they had meant to him and how much they had done for him. And he poured his heart of love and appreciation to them. 
Who is it in your life that is making, has made a difference in you? And maybe you haven't said a word. Maybe in a long time. Maybe ever. A young man finished his freshman year of college and he was still trying to figure out who he was. He was still trying to figure out what he was going to do with his life. And he was still confused about where all this was going. But he went back home for the holidays. And when he came into town, he first stopped by his mother's hairdressing salon. His mother owned it. And, and he went in. He knew that's where she'd be. He went in, hugged her, and, and saw other people that were customers there in, in that salon. They knew him. One particular person that was there just happened to be there at, the, at that time had known him since he was a little boy and now here he is in college and, and, and she grabbed a piece of paper and wrote on the piece of paper, she wrote these words. She said, first of all, you will speak to millions. Second of all, you will make a positive impact in this world. And third of all, you will be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. She wrote these three things down, gave him the piece of paper. When he read this paper. He was so taken by surprise by this word of encouragement that these, he could hardly believe it. And, and it made a world of difference in his life. He folded up the paper, put it in his wallet. And to this day, Denzel Washington still has that piece of paper in his wallet. And every time he gets discouraged and every time he feels depressed and every time he feels like my life hasn't mattered much, he will open up that piece of paper and read the words of encouragement that that woman gave to him that day. And it renews his joy and his sense of I belong here, I need, I, I'm making a difference. You and I can never know the difference we'll make in somebody else's life if we'll just open our heart and our mouth and say, I appreciate you, I love you, and here's what I see in your life, and words of encouragement. And that's what Paul is saying. What Paul is teaching us in this passage and other passages in Scripture is that love is a choice, it's an action, it is a guide for our life. And how it is that we deepen our relationships with other people is that we remember the best and we forget the rest. That we habitually pray good things into the lives of others and it has more power than we realize. More impact. It changes them and it changes us. And that we are to be patient for God's work in ourselves and in others. And we are to regularly express appreciation to those in your life. What is it that God is wanting this message to do for you? Would you open your heart today and say, God, I've heard you. I am willing to do what you have told me to do. And this is where I start. Some of you have never given your heart to Christ. And I'm going to tell you, you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You need to commit your heart by faith to Christ. In a few moments on our campuses, you can go to our Next Step Center and talk to one of our ministers about how you can know Jesus as your Savior, join this church. But online, you can do it too. On our online Next Step Center, you can talk to one of our ministers. How do I come to know Jesus as my Savior? They can help you, lead you to that. How can I be a member of this church? Open your heart. Talk to one of our ministers today. God is at work in your heart. Let him. Let him do 
what he is wanting to do in your heart today. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we acknowledge, oh God, we need you. And we need your word and we, we are people of the book. We are people of the word of God. And we want to apply your word in our heart. We want to keep growing, keep developing in our life. We want to be more and more and more like Jesus Christ. Help us to be. Love isn't a feeling. It's not uncontrollable. It's a decision. It's a choice. Father, help us to make the choices of being more loving, to do things we don't want to do. We don't even feel like doing, but we choose to do it because it's what love is saying to us. It guides our life. I pray, Father, you would help us to come to understand what it means to love another person and let it speak into our actions. Teach us, Father, from these principles Paul is teaching us about love. Teach us how to love others more deeply. Oh, God, I pray you'd bring many into a saving relationship of Jesus Christ right now in their life. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.